everyone, and welcome to episode 161 of Midweek Metagame. I'm Harry G, joined, joined here by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson. Good evening, evening everybody. And Gabriel Nassif. Hey, everyone. Well, 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 full spoilers for Phyrexia All Will Be One have been released, and we all have cards that we got our eyes on and that we're going to be at least testing over the next few weeks when they come out. So a lot of this episode is going to be talking about those cards that we're interested in. But also, we have all been playing a bit of Magic over the past few weeks, as we did miss last week's episode, which we apologize about. Sometimes schedules don't line up. But as always, before we get into the discussion of these new cards, this podcast is brought to you by Card Market. They sponsor us and help us be here when we can. If you need anything Magic the Gathering related, deck boxes, sleeves, accessories, singles, or any other card games like Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, Flesh and Blood, all of them, Go check out cardmarker.com or cardmarket.eu. Most importantly, you can pre-order some Phyrexia cards right now if there are sellers that have them available. So go check those out and uh, you worry about the prices of those cards. We'll just worry about promoting the site. Why don't we get into the discussion though? We have a new set coming out and apparently some playable cards. (laughs) According to Pat, his top five are all going to be extraordinary. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me, this is... This is slander. What? What do you? Okay. Well, why don't we start off with your number five card then, Pat? All right. I've actually, I actually have my list in no particular order. Uh, so if wow, actually, cop out already, already a cop out. Right. Okay. So, um, actually, this is terrible. This is terrible ordering, Harry. You shouldn't have thrown me in this box. I haven't ordered anything. Okay, we can go with Gab then. Yeah, we can go with Gab. Add them ordered. It's a top five kind of generic it's not specific to standard or well it's specific to constructed but not one specific um format um so yeah i have a top five and i have a card when i was going through the list that you know i wrote down and then i had too many cards so i'm gonna just name them real quick uh cards that didn't make my top five i've got elish norn mother of machines i've been playing that banned arcades deck and people are kind of asking me if that card could be good it stops Notably, in Modern, it stops a lot of the creativity stuff, our content stuff. It dodges every removal spell, basically. It dodges Unholy Heat because it has 7 toughness. It dodges Fatal Push. It dodges Ending unless they have all 5 colors. It dodges Binding because it stops coming to plays. It dodges Bolt, obviously. So, you know, kind of kind of a cool card. Maybe it has a place in, in that, you know, Band Arcades deck I've been playing. You've got... A card that, Pat, you actually have in your top five, Kemba, Kai Enduring. That card didn't, didn't quite make it, but I guess we're going to be talking about that card a bit more. I like to get managed to realize that it's in my top five after I've added it to my top five after we discussed it. Yeah. It is in my uh, top five. Yeah, I have Ossification, which is a white removal spell, Sorcery Speed, Aura. A little, a little maybe weird, even though maybe you can do cool stuff like play it, and then you play a Verdict. Uh, well, that makes no sense what I was going to say, but, you know, maybe cool was Yurion, let's say. You've got Skrelv, the Defector Might, which a lot of people seem to think that card might be good. I think it's got a little f- few too many things going against it. Um, you've got Onctus, which seems like it could do a lot. It pumps, you know, pumps your creatures, lets you loot. Maybe there's some weird loop where you can self-mill your whole deck, but, you know, all the creatures that untap stuff they untap other permanents usually um so you can't just like have a creature on tap itself you draw your entire deck etc kind of things and last one was more more of nostalgia it's conduit of world 
which is a green four mana artifact that kind of does what Yagma's Agenda used to do. And Yagma's Agenda is a card I played in one of my first Pro Tours and extended as kind of a win condition. So that was my uh, kind of honorable mentions, I guess. Right. Okay. Well, I managed to get my, my list in order now. And uh, my honorable mentions are Soulless Jailer, which is the uh, two mana artifact hate bear that uh, affects the graveyard. And... Uh, sword of Forge and Frontier, which is the red green sword, which I, re- I really think has a, a, lot, a lot two really good synergistic abilities. I think if you connect with that and getting some kind of card advantage going, it's a that that's that's a nice place to be. I also have yeah, venerated. I think, I think it's a good card. I think it's just one one another sword kind of you know you already have yeah. a, a bunch of good ones. So. Well, well, the thing is in Pioneer you don't have access to some stuff like sort of feast and uh, sort of fire and ice or feast and famine. Okay. So this is kind of. It's got it's it's the sword that's available in Pioneer that's got the most kind of direct synergies uh, with its with itself. It's like the kind of most internally consistent package. Um, we've also got uh, I've also got Venerated Rot Priest on my uh, on my list. Anoint with Affliction, which I've managed to forget what exactly. Oh, that's the uh, which is the the Exile Smother, which I think is going to be a pretty uh, impactful uh, removal spell just because of the Exile clause in in Pioneer. Yeah, but, you basically have to pick between eliminate if you want that kind of effect. So you have to pick between planes being able to target planeswalkers or wanting to absolutely exile the creature. Ab- absolutely, yeah. Um, so Gab, Gab can make fun of me for the next two. Uh, Jace the Perfected Mind, which I mentioned last last episode. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I think this card's actually good. Uh, one thing synergy we didn't mention last week, which I think is particularly important, is the synergy with Drown in the Lock. So that you can tick, you can use choose the minus ability targeting them, mill them for three, and set up your drown in the locks while also uh, drawing a card. Uh, remains to be seen whether this is actually going to be good, but I've heard more and more chatter around that this card's going to be going to be something that finds a home in either pioneer or modern or both. Uh, I've also got Phyrexian Vindicator, which is the opposite of Phyrexian Obliterator. It's a uh, white, 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 five, five flying that prevents all damage dealt to it and then redirects it to a source of your choice. Um, don't have a necessary home for this in mind, but you know, formats like Pioneer, like Red, Blue Red Phoenix, uh, obviously has a very difficult time removing this. Uh, if you look at a format like Modern, Unholy Heat is a kind of go-to removal spell for killing big creatures, and this dodges both of those sides of things. Whether or not you can find a deck that wants to make five, four white mana as a class of Fire Five Flyer is another story, but I think this is a pretty powerful card. Okay, the the only two cards that I would have on my watch list because. I'm more looking at cards to clickbait, is uh, obviously the sword, but that would be specifically alongside Fervent Champion in Pioneer. I think it'd be really good. Turn one Fervent Champion, turn two whatever, Bone Crusher Giant, whatever you want to do. Then turn three sword, you can attack, do a little light up the stage, play an extra land. I think that'd be pretty good in Pioneer. What does Fervent Champion read exactly already? It makes an equipment, equip it, two less to activate. So you can play the sword and equip it for free. Wow. Yeah. And it has first strike haste. So it makes it awkward to block pro green. Gets around mono green. Maybe like attack through elves. Deal damage. Um, get a shock or something. I, I don't hate it. I don't think it's going to be the best in the world. But I can definitely see it not being bad. And you make tokens in the red deck. Maybe from Den of the Bugbear or whatever. Um, I like that. And then the other, the other card I was looking at is Mind Splice Apparatus. While I don't think it's the best card in the world, 
It's four mana flash artifact. At the beginning of your upkeep, put an oil counter on it. Instants and sorceries cost one less to cast for each oil counter. This is some, you know, spicy kind of card that casual players love that will make the subline subline artificery or whatever the six mana card costs less or maybe something like expansion explosion so something you know janky like that maybe Actually, maybe that could work I, my shame my sh- shameful admission is that 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 card is something that i read several times on the spoil and was like "Ooh, this is good <laughs> so I, i'm with you on that one it's an exciting yeah. effect Cool. Apart from that, though, I've got no honorable mentions. All right. Anyone want to give their fifth pick or? Okay, Gab already spoiled my fifth pick, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna open proceedings with Kemba Car Enduring. So for the, we'll, I think I'll read out the text of uh, of cards on the list. So where are you, Kemba? All right. So Kemba is a one and a white legend. I'm still looking for it. It's a legendary uh, legendary creature, Cat Cleric. It's yeah, one and a white for a two two. When Kemba, Car Enduring, or another cat enters the battlefield under your control, attach up to one target equipment you control to that creature. Equip creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and it has an activated ability, three and two white, create a two, two white cat creature token. So I think, you know, the most obvious home for this is maybe it flips into an existing archetype like Hammer Time, because obviously Colossus Hammer is the most exciting thing to, to possibly attach with this that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, Hammer Times are pretty in modern is a pretty kind of crowded deck like there's a lot of options and you know pretty well streamlined at this point in time so there's not much space to fit in cards like car but you know I could imagine finding space for one or two I've seen there's there's copies of the deck there's versions of the deck that play core outfitter which is a uh, white white for a 2-2 which has the the same ETB clause of uh of Kemba but the po- place I'm most excited for this is in the pioneer context and Sagata's Aid and Colossus Hammer are both legal in Pioneer. But the Hammer Time archetype has never really kind of taken off because we're missing those kind of extra bits of redundancy. Whereas in Pioneer, whereas, whereas in Modern, you have uh, Pure Soul Paladin and extra copies you know, of uh, Colossus Hammer with uh, Urza Saga. Here, at least, we now have access to extra things to equip uh, hammers that we draw. Or potentially other exciting equipment, other exp- more expensive equipment. You know, I alluded to the swords having some impact in Pioneer earlier. Uh, maybe maybe the red green sword is a card that can kind of sit in the crew value. Uh, this also works with other cats. I don't know if there are any other cats that, that come around, but I think that Colossus Hammer Sagada is a very 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 powerful effect or powerful yeah. combo, and it's just missing extra pieces for redundancy to make it a viable strategy in Pioneer. And this is the best thing we've come along to, to fill that gap of redundancy. I think there's, there's two things. I think that it's a bit different to core outfitter because core outfitter lets, when it enters the battlefield, you let an equipment attached to target creature. Whereas this one here, it says when it enters the battlefield, you equip the equipment to this. So it's like, Already Hammer Time can, get, you know, like not haste a creature, but you can like animate Ink Moth and put it on the Ink Moth, whereas this is like quite limited. But I, I like your Pioneer applications, and my thought is uh, Adorned Pouncer from Amon Ket or Hour of Devastation with the Eternalize. I've actually played against a Hammer Time deck with Adorned Pouncer in it in Pioneer. So that, that that's a cat, I'm pretty sure. Yep. And Eternalize, you get some value there, but. It's gonna need a lot more assistance. I can see it. I can see a potential deck. Yeah, 
I, I think I, I used to play white red equipments in Explorer, which is close to Pioneer, and it was not bad, honestly. I played, I didn't play a ton of matches with it, but I played a bit was on a ladder, and it was definitely respectable. So maybe there's something in, in Pioneer. I've seen lists already, people posting lists. You know, but Hammer Time in Modern, the double white is a huge deal. There's just so many games where you just have one white. And, you know, just maybe sometimes just going Hammer into, you know, that that creature and having a 12-12 on, on turn two is going to be good against a lot of decks, you know, and it's very well set up. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that card could, could, could see some play. All right, should I go? I reckon. Sure. All right, at fifth, at five, I have... I just I just put the fit, the fast lands at five because they're not... Obviously, they're already in modern and... Um, they're mostly going to be a big deal in Pioneer and maybe Standard, I guess. Explore. I guess a you know a bunch of these formats, but I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil myself. Uh, it's actually number one on my list. So uh, yeah, but that one. Yeah, yeah I, I, I I could have had it at number one. I could have had it at five anywhere in the list. Uh, you know, specifically in Pioneer, there's red green vehicles. That's going to be loving that. Potentially blue black builds. I think I might uh, you know the first version of blue black I might try might be for uh the fast lands was for thoughtsies as was that as for in our set but if i play thoughtsies i don't think i want to play days on doing so maybe just kind of blue base nar set control deck lotus feels super popular right now so it's kind of appealing to just play four thoughtsies for in our set um yeah uh fast land some of the company's deck you've got white green auras that had a respectable win rates during the regionals uh, what do we do? Red, green, blue, black, white, green, blue, white for spirits. And the last one is obviously red, black for Ragdos. I wonder if you actually want all four in Ragdos, but uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, just see how many people, how many, how many, how many of these people play in their deck, you know, I'm guessing people are maybe going to start with four in a lot of their decks and then maybe they're going to realize four is too many with the creature lands or maybe the creature lands are going to have to go. Um, because a lot of the Pioneer decks have four and five drops. And obviously Control doesn't want lands that come into play tap later. But yeah, I have them at, at five. Do okay. You, do you want to just tell us what you think they're number one in your list, Pat? Yeah. Okay, so I just think if my if I make my grading scale for where I'm putting something on the list is the most play and the most impact in a format, I think it's just why I put them at number one. I think it shapes Pioneer in a way that, you know, it, it creates, a, it fixes a lot of imbalance in Pioneer. Uh, it's been very easy to have, you know, good enemy colored mana, and now we have good good allied color mana. Coming to play untapped on the first early turns allows aggressive strategies uh, to, you know, to span across multiple colors. So we might get away from kind of, you know, mono white weenie or, you know, we can start seeing more aggressive decks that start splashing up the colors. So like Gruul gets better mana and, you know, can be more consistently powerful. Yeah. It also opens up the door to kind of more kind of Delvery style decks that go across three colors as well. So you can access a good Grixis mana bases now so that you can uh, spend all your mana on colored spells early on, early in the game. I just think the impact in Pioneer is just too difficult to overlook. And that's why I put it at number one. It's boring, but that's why I did it. That's fair. Mm. All right, so what was your my number, my number oh. five? Oh. oh, what you were you going to? Oh, I didn't four? realize yet. I was going to ask Pat about his 
number four, but I didn't realize you had a, a top five. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. I think that Drown in Ichor, uh, even though it's a it's an uncommon, um, I think that it has some applications for jank that I'm looking to do. What does it do? I, I really like all the right. all these proliferate strategies, right, so and it's there's the, dying to be. Harry, for those hmm? those of you reading along at home, Drown in Ichor is one one black one color sorcery. Target creature gets minus four minus four until end of turn. Proliferate. Yeah. I'm looking to do some sort of planeswalker, planeswalker deck, with, especially with uh, potentially the Modern Horizons card. Is it called like Plane Planeswalker Initiate or something? It's like a one three. They can pay a red to yeah. put Planeswalker into play, stuff like this. Or I don't know. I, I'm looking to to do stuff with Planeswalkers, and that's something that I'm interested in. Uh, click baiting. Yeah, you could play all the good cards. You've got Knight of the Even Legion. You've got. Liliana could just play all the good cards that get tokens and throw a bunch of the reasonable <laughs> proliferates. I mean, sorcery speed is obviously super rough. Yeah, minus yeah. four, minus four is, you know, doesn't kill shield red, doesn't deal with troll very well, but yeah. Well, what's your number four, Pat? All right, number four, I have Capricious Hellraiser. Oh, wow. Right, so Capricious Hellraiser is three red, red, red for a four, four flying dragon or phyrexian dragon it costs three colorless less to cast if you have nine or more cards in your graveyard and when it enters the battlefield exile three cards at random from your graveyard choose a non-creature non-land card from amongst them copy it and you may pay the copy without playing its mana cost there's a lot to like about this card i mean relatively cheap 4-4 flyer with a setup cost card advantage uh, there's some random element to it which you know is is risky but i'm imagining a deck that has kind of like you know gather the pack uh all these various different like green self mill cards that, that fit nicely with uh play nicely this looking looking for hellraiser but also filling your graveyard uh you probably want ways to kind of curate it if you possibly can but uh, the effect is pretty powerful you can get uh big expensive sorceries into the graveyard uh ultimatums are one thing that springs to mind uh, that you could cast cast without paying the mana cost would be pretty exciting uh there's just a lot of text on this card that that does powerful things and although the mana cost is restrictive and the deck building cost is is high i, I feel like something like this is uh is is it's got room to succeed in a format like pioneer where there's a lot of available deck building space in my opinion yeah i don't think the math adds up i think there's too many things going against it and too complicated of a setup mana cost not that great Ensure you can also just cast it for six and it's not terrible, but you were talking about ultimatums, I'm not sure how, what your setup's gonna be to narrow the cards to the ones you want, or if it's just gonna be a ton of RNG. Um, oh, it's a ton of RNG. Yeah, I, as as long as someone doesn't come up with a concrete like kind of deckless slash setup slash example, I'm I'm not buying. Yeah, I'll admit I haven't put a huge amount of thought into this, but I think this card has got a lot of a lot of, a lot of good text on it and a power level that's pretty hard to ignore. Yeah. All right. At number four, I have the Planeswalker Tivar Jubilant Brawler, which is the uh, the black and green one one a black and a green Planeswalker. And what does it do, you might ask? Starts into 
play with free counters, free loyalty counters, legendary planeswalker Tivar. You may activate abilities of creatures you control as though those creatures had haste. As a plus one untap up to one target creature and a minus two of mill free cards, then you may return a creature card with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So kind of quote unquote obvious application might be in elves where you play turn one elves, turn two you play Tivar, you get to untap the elf, play another elf, it has haste, maybe you play another one drop or, you know, obviously you're playing an elf deck, so you have a lot of cheap creatures and the minus two come in handy, but it, it might be a setup in in just other combo decks. I'm not sure exactly which, but I feel like that card does a lot. Um, I think it's a powerful card. I think, that, that, you know, it's always interesting to self-mill, maybe Stitcher Supplier, Wayfinder cover thing where you're you're just self-milling and this is uh, a value. And I don't know, I feel like there's a lot going on here and the rate's pretty decent. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in with the self-mill angle. I don't, I think people will be talking about the kind of obvious application being elf war, and I mean, I guess like you know, if you're if you're casting this and then you're you're playing you know elvish arc, arc druid, it makes sense that that's that's something you can get excited about. But I really I really see the value in this in the minus two, setting up activated abilities of creatures coming out of the graveyard. Um, uh, priest of is it what's the name of the the the, the priest that sacrifices to sacrifice two creatures and. Uh, Draw a card, they sacrifice a creature, add two black mana. Priest of the Forgotten Gods. Priest of the Forgotten Gods. Some kind of some kind of deck like that, which really takes advantage of all the setup you have. Uh, you know, the synergy with Stitcher Supplies kind of, you know, works nicely, both, you know, setting up your graveyard and also coming bring, being brought back. Yeah, I, I really do like this card, and I, I had completely forgotten about it when I was making my list. And But I, I don't see it in Elf Ball. I see it in its own kind of, like, aristocrat-style archetype. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's... Probably a card you can play three or four of in an elf deck, but you know, just one or two uh, might complement the decks nicely. Is it me now? I guess so. Yeah, you're up. Oof. One one that uh, I think saw a lot of commander discussion. That I think you know, I love my commander cards because those <laughs> those get a lot of clicks. Um, Ikramoon Gauntlet. Gives all your plane. It's a two and a blue artifact. All planeswalkers have zero to proliferate and minus twelve to take an extra turn. But most importantly, when uh, whenever you cast an old creature spell, you can proliferate one permanent on the battlefield. Just screams planeswalkers. Everything just screams planeswalkers. This is so good with planeswalkers like Narset or maybe Ashok Dreamrender or you know these three mana planeswalkers with static abilities that are degenerate and do something in modern. Um, you can slam them all in one deck, give them proliferate, play a load of removal spells. I think it's not bad. Force of negation, proliferate my planeswalker. Not bad. Yeah, it gives a second life to your Narset. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do. I do secretly think this uh, snowball is pretty pretty hard and pretty fast. I mean, it's not legend, not a legendary artifact as well. You can stack multiple of them. If you can chain cantrips, you can just start taking all the turns pretty fast. Yep. I imagine there'll be a, Turn... a video of yours relatively shortly with this involved. Ren and six. Ren and six into yep. Gauntlet. <laughs> yep. Turn one Oath of Nyssa. Turn two Ren. Turn three this. Turn four. Just start doing shenanigans. All your cheap spells, bolts and whatnot, cantrips. Maybe it's vintage. You know, turn one this. Turn two Minx and Boo. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But yeah. 
No, I, I think it's not. I think it's not terrible, and that's perfect because it's like. I think the biggest reason why my commander videos do well is because people just want to see how well the card does, so that they know to put in their commander deck, and I, I think that's why it's so powerful. So I, I'm I'm definitely looking to make a video on this. I want to be the first one on YouTube at least. All right, cool. So number four for you, Pat. Number five. Uh, number, number three, three for me. Number three for me is yeah. Shieldred's Edict, which a uh, very boring card. Uh, one black, one colorless instant. Choose one. Each opponent sacrifices a non-token creature. Each opponent sacrifices a creature token. Or each opponent sacrifices a planeswalker. Uh, we discussed this the other week. Uh, you probably heard about it all over the place. But this is probably the best edict that's ever been printed. Uh, the fact that it removes the ability, the opponent's ability to get around problems with, you know, the edict effect with a colony garden token or some other small in incidental token. Uh, the fact that it can hit planeswalkers as well. Uh, the fact that it can kill something like a Dark Depths, like a Marit Lage token as well, which, you know, you might not have been able to get otherwise, uh, you know, in, in, if the opponent was, was, was savvy. I, I really just, this is a very powerful, flexible card. Red, black in Pioneer has been, you know, the removal suite that you play in that deck is kind of up in the air. People play lots of power word kills, but that seems like a card that's really easily exploitable, especially if you think about, you know, the metagame at the moment is a lot of green, white angels. And that's something that Dodger's power would kill, or maybe they're trying to play Go for the Throat, or they're playing Dread Boars in large numbers. I think Shieldred's Edict's a, a pretty easy include in a deck like that, and may go some of the way to kind of solving that dilemma as to which way do you hedge your bets with the instant speed removal. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, great, great card. Uh, I have it at number two. Yeah. All, all in on, on hoping that cards makes a. Uh blue black better than it is right now but as you Absolutely. mentioned even in, in a deck like red black maybe not play all four maybe maybe you end up playing all four maybe there's not enough like cheap creature that you know mess with the edict part and it's gonna make control players left life much tougher you know yeah. teferi on tab dovin's veto on dreadbore is pretty common line now they get to uh, to get you before you on tap the two lands. I really do uh, think this a... helps blue black blue black a lot as well. I, I think that uh, so, so, sorry so, sorry you were probably going to get that, but I, the, the fact that this means that you now have clean answers to graveyard trespasser. Yeah, yeah trespasser is just... such a nightmare. It's so annoying to like because if you tap out for a sweeper, it drops something big. Yeah. If you use a removal on it, it feels so bad. And yeah, no. Um great against trespasser you can get the, the the fable token even though it's usually the only creature in play what about a format yeah. like modern do you imagine this is something that can can make its way into modern that yeah, gives you an answer to to red and six i mean they still get the plus one card advantage but if you get it you know trying to play you get it rid of instant speed it, it dodges uh does it doesn't dodge veil right targets a player no it's just each, no, it's each opponent each opponent dodges veil yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, for push for you know push was it's so good because it's so cheap and uh, you know kind of painless to get rid of cheap creatures, but it, it can miss a lot of things. And now you you've got edict kind of feels like a, a great compliment. Absolutely, yeah, it's the compliment the fatal push. It really really shores it up. E even in pioneer as well as modern, just covering all the blind spots. It's just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, before oh. that, we had in Pioneer, you had to play cards like maybe Soul Shatter or... Oh, there's just so much ambiguity. ...removal spell or yeah. have to choose, do I want to be weak to Planeswalker or do I want to be weak to this, weak to that? And 
this this might help a lot absolutely all right now, what do you got number um, three gab i have a very uh, colorful card ah. i have atraxa which is just the big big bad creature of the set i guess it's a uh, seven mana it's free colorless plus I don't know the names of the four color, you know, thingies, but it's green, everything but red, green, white, blue, black, and and free colorless seven seven legendary creature or Phyrexian angel, flying vigilance, death touch, lifelink, uh, not haste, not first strike, but pretty much everything else. And when it enters a battlefield, you reveal the top 10 cards of your library. For each card type, you may put a card of that type from among the revealed cards into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And the types are Artifact, Battle, which is kind of a teaser um, mm -hmm. no, from the next set. Apparently, there's Battle's going to be a thing. Creature, Enchantment, Instant, Land, Planeswalker, and Sorcery are card types. So, yeah, no, it's just huge. You can... You know, in a deck like Fires of Invention, Enigmatic Incarnation, it's a good seven drop. We we're talking about power word kill. You know, it dodges Unholy Heat, it dodges power word kill, it it dodges probably a, a lot of the removal. You know, it's it's black, um, it's legendary, it's it's multicolor. So I don't have every every removal in in mind, but yeah, dodges a lot. It can be maybe maybe a creativity. You know backup plan or diff, you know yeah. different cards i like the fact that you can creativity for one and hit this and it's actually impactful you know recoup some card advantage yeah i don't know it seems like it does a lot the rate is decent this is kind of the, the kind of almost a success of end of visit in some respects is it's a flip yeah. over a huge number of cards and hopefully you put all of them in your hand yeah it's a lot like archon of creative of creativity and or archon of cruelty in some ways right it has the only thing is that if you if they can kill it, then you don't have a blocker, and sure you have a ton of cards in hand, but you might be you know a lot of time the reason why Archon of Cruelty is so so good is because when you cast when you get into play, you're usually like in a really bad spot, or a lot of time you're like dead on board, and it's just a massive swing. Whereas this can just die, and you didn't get the edict, you didn't get the life right away, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, so. Yeah. Oh, but but just by the way, for those of you playing along at home, it's Witchmore Nephilim is the name of the Nephilim that isn't red. Witchmore is the four. Uh, okay. The four non-red ones. Yeah. Hmm. Well, what I'm confused by, I think I saw some people say it, but isn't tribal a card type? Yeah. That's why it's it's it says the the um put the uh. They are card types. They said for each card type. You may put, yeah, maybe, maybe someone was speculating that tribal is going to become battle. I, I don't mm, think that's yeah, the case. That's... I think I think it's actually just in the kind of semantics of this clause. So it says artifacts, battle, creature, enchantment, instant land, planeswalker, and sorcery are card types. Yeah, that's, but tribal I, is also. But that's a true but statement. What about but it's still a true statement, right? I mean, all those things are card types. Oh, it I, says are card types. Yeah. Right, it's not saying tribal isn't a card type. Yeah. So maybe it, it also puts tribal into your hand. It will put yeah. tribal into your hand, but it's just specifying okay. that those are card types. And okay. it's teasing right, it's like battle. A, it's like a helper. Yeah. And actually, I kind of like the, 
I kind of like that it's almost a shout. You, you mentioned Tarmogoyf. It's like a shout out. It's actually almost a throwback to Tarmogoyf because when Tarmogoyf came out for the first time in Future Sight, it mentioned Tribal and Planeswalker on it, which weren't printed card types yet. Uh, Planeswalker was coming in the next core set. No, no, no. Planeswalker and Tribal were both coming in Lawn, actually. And, you know, this is a set, Future Sight was a set before that. So you kind of go, okay, Tarmogoyf has power and toughness equal to these card types in the graveyard, but two of these don't exist yet. So this is a uh, a little bit of a oh, kind wow. of nostalgic that. kind of memory cool. of that, yeah. where we learn hmm. in the battle before it happens. My 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 thoughts is they probably just printed this because these are the ones that are relevant for standard. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. But it's it's definitely still a true statement, even if you include Tyrell as a card type, it just doesn't specify it here. Yeah, I don't know how many decks are going to be playing Tarmogoyf and Atraxa in the same deck or. Harry, goblin, I've got a video idea. What's it called? Tarfire. Ooh, Tarfire Harry. is the goblin shot. Well, Bitter Blossom, maybe. You got a video idea? Nameless version. <laughs> I drew gonna... nine cards with a Traxa. You're not gonna click big people as a Traxa, Harry. Look at it. No, no shot. Wow. Okay. This is literally just like it's it's out of my league. Okay. My um, I had my eyes on. I've lost it now because I was looking at a Traxa. It's the cantrip that proliferates. We talked about it last. Experimental aug- augury. Ah, yes. It's one in a blue instant. Look at the top three cards. Put one into your hand. Rest in the bottom. And then proliferate. I think this is not a card you're looking to cast in many formats. But obviously commander. But specifically pauper. Um, there's... I, I've mentioned it many times. But pauper is a format where people struggle to get value higher than two for one. And I think that something like this could work towards a very powerful blue deck. Uh, because right now, Pauper is full of aggro. And if you can have some sort of win condition that has counters, there used to be a tier 1 deck, a blue-red deck that had a 4-mana creature that... Uh, I don't quite remember. It's like 4-mana make a 0-0 with X plus and plus encounters, where X is the number of instants and sorceries in the yard. Mm-hmm. Stuff like this. There are decks that kind of use counters in blue, and what I'm saying is this is a tool that I think is going to be potentially useful in the format. I could see myself trying to build a deck. Yeah, I I, I think this card, we, we, we discussed this two weeks ago, but there's just enough, Proliferate is just a powerful enough ability to kind of make up for the lack of, you know, the kind of relatively low level power, low power level of casting Anticipate in any form. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is probably these things didn't make my uh make my list or even my honorable mentions because i was more focused on pioneer and, uh, and modern applications when i was looking through the spoiler but there's a lot of really powerful blue cards that work nicely if your opponent gets one poison counter basically you know but they they, they have the corrupted clause so like if if they have three poison counters they do some bonus effect that there's a divination that costs one blue if they if they have two poison two or three, if three poison there's a a two mana counter spell that's they pay two or counter the spell outright if it's a if they have three poison and i feel like that plus this proliferate card and various things like that might spawn some kind of archetype in a smaller format like standard where you know you kind of take advantage of all those things and get the one the one poison and then snowball the rest with proliferate and turn on your powerful powerful interaction is there a card that's not necessarily a creature that gets the poison started that gives them one poison and you can just kind of that can be your yeah. win con just casting yeah, a bunch of is. minus four minus fours and anticipates and 
so there's there's um there's a read the bones essentially it's like a draw two lose two everyone gets a poison counter okay in black it's like mm. one black two colors that'd be such a such a weird win con just get get it started with that and just play a regular control game but they're just getting an extra poison here and there yeah i kind of like that idea that's cool but yeah there are lots of applications and popper i could list all of them but i'd have to give too many descriptions because people don't play that format <laughs> What uh? What are our number twos then? All right, so I've got this at number two, and I know uh, Gab. I'm spoiling Gab, uh, but he has it number one. It's uh, minor misstep. So minor misstep is probably the most talked about card in the set. It's a one blue instant counter target spell with converted mana cost one or less. Uh, it's kind of you know it's reminiscent of spell snare in the sense that it's you know a one mana counter spell that has a pretty restrictive casting uh mana value clause attached to its target uh but it's called it the opposite to to spell snare in a lot of respects it can never trade up in mana and that was one of the big powerful parts of spell snare but in older formats like pioneer modern going further back it's far less restrictive than a card like spell snare uh since you know obviously there's greater a variety of powerful one mana and zero mana spells to be choosing from i suspect this card is going to be pretty impactful it's not this kind of automatic four of that you would put in every deck like a card like mental misstep was uh, but it's the sort of thing where if you want access to one mana counter spells in game one that are narrow this might be a better option than say spell pierce or spell snare or fluster storms or whatnot you can augment it with uh, extra copies out of the board uh, i think there's just too many targets in this uh in these eternal formats for this to not be a reasonable choice uh you know if, if i think about things in modern the diversity of things it hits it hits ragavans it hits dragon rages channelers it hits all the cantrips it hits lightning bolts unholy unholy heats path to exiles uh then it hit counters death shadows goblin guides uh, a variety of different burn spells and but then on, if, you, if you add all those things together it also counters chalice of the void uh that's 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 a pretty a pretty broad swath of things oh it counters all the cascade spells obviously uh well there's the zero mana spells that the cascade yeah. into like rhino yeah, yeah. And... you said it never trades up in mana but it kind of does against the cascade spells actually that's true it does trade up against the cascade spells but that doesn't really count it's uh it doesn't yeah it only works against chalice on zero right you can't counter chalice on one with this yes but it counters chalice on zero which you know is something <laughs> right right okay yeah, no, I, I just, I think there's been a lot of debate about this card. I think, you know, when it got spoiled, people were like, oh, this is this is busted. And people were like, oh, this is unplayable. It's definitely somewhere in between those two extremes, as you know, almost everything in life is. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this card's just, I, in, my, in terms of my rankings on my list, I think, you know, I thought the fast lines are the cards that are going to make the most overall impact and see the most play across these formats particularly just because of how much they're going to see in play that we pioneer i think mental this or minor misstep is going to be the next one yeah no it might be the best in legacy it might not be quite good enough to see a ton of play in vintage it might still be a tiny bit too narrow for modern definitely not good enough for pioneer i don't think so there's a bunch of decks that don't even play uh one minute spell i don't think lotus field has a single one minute spell in their deck some of the control decks don't have ton, tons of one mana spell. It does counter, you know, hard counter uh, Thoughtseize in a late game, which uh, can be nice. But um, 
Yeah, it seems like a really good card. The way I see it in modern is maybe people play one or two in their in their main deck and more in the sideboard when uh, the cascade decks are when and if the cascade decks are popular or you know maybe hammer times very popular. Uh, maybe if you feel like your deck struggles a bit when it's on the, or, or maybe when when you feel like maybe the card ends up feeling really good when you're in the games where on your you're in the play. I could see just bunch of these, bunch of spell snares, bunch of snapcaster mage, four, four minor misstep, four spell snare, four snapcaster mage. That's gonna be uh that might be one of the first decks I build in modern. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, obviously that card uh, might be really good, and uh, yeah, um, I, I don't have anything like super uh, mind blowing or anything to to say. I guess. I'm not actually that big of a fan of this card. I don't think that it's very good in Vintage. Already people have been cutting Mental Misstep from Vintage decks, and that's a free way to counter. Um, I think that in Vintage in general it's not great because it's not... It's very hard to counter zero mana spells already, and it's really hard to make those reads, in my opinion. I think in Legacy as well, I don't... I'm just not a big fan of the card. I think I just, you know, my argument across all formats will just be it's a bit awkward to use. I think I look at this card similar to Mystical Dispute. I might be remembering it wrong, but I feel like when Mystical Dispute first came out, everyone kind of called it mediocre. And then eventually after, you know, some time people started putting it in sideboards. I might be wrong, but I see this as a sideboard card. I don't, I don't think that it'll see much play. Yeah, that's fair. Until the future. If if you look at modern, you, you, you could argue that it's just kind of worse than spell snare, you know, for you would know, rather counter a two mana spell since it's more impactful and I think you know, iteration run and six, um the best cards in modern cost two. One, you're never really trading up on mana except, you know, for the cascade spells and it's do you really care that much about one one mana spells, you know? A lot of one mana spells are creatures, so isn't it? Aren't you better off just playing more bolts on holy eats or whatever? Um, yeah, I mean, but... it carries. It, it it depends what you really want from your from your counter spell. If you're looking to if you're looking to trade in mana efficiently, then obviously it's, this is not not the card you're looking for. But if you want something that costs one mana that interacts with a wide variety of things, and this is the sort of card that you want, I just I don't see it as a sideboard card. I actually see it as a card that you'll play in your main deck more likely than than not because you just want a one-mana interactive spell that hits a lot of targets. And it doesn't really matter what those targets are, but you don't want to be stuck with spell, spell pierces because you also need to counter Goblin Guides and Ragged Bands at the same time as you're interacting with you know Lightning Bolts and Unholy Heats. So I just don't... You, you, you might bring in a card like Spell Snare because you're like, okay, this is great. I get to trade up in mana in this matchup and that gives me this kind of you know, tempo advantage or so, something that I can leverage and is really important in this spot. But I just don't see that with this with this card. I, I feel like this is a main deck card in the kind of like, if it's in that kind of like, you know, maybe I play two copies or something in my main deck role. I, I just see it, I see it a little bit different. I can't ever imagine putting this in my sideboard over, sideboard over something more directly targeted. Um, I disagree. I think it's yeah. a little too low impact to to play too many copies in the main i could see it as you know as i said as a like one of especially if you're playing something like snapcaster mage so you have a little more variety and just uh, you know make their lives a little tougher you've got your cup you know one or two spell pierce one or two spell snare one or two of that and you kind of got a lot of your bases covered for one mana um 
and then after sideboard if you know i mean it's always tough because everyone knows how available every sideboard slot is in, in constructed in general and in modern especially but maybe you feel like it's you know there's a lot of cascade decks slash hammer time slash you know whatever the the okay mirror and you just decide it's 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 the you know maybe one week you decide you'd rather have philosopher storm because you know maybe it's a little better against who knows creativity or uh, you know maybe you want fluster storm as your anti-cascade card maybe one week you want minor misstep it, it counters veils too i mean i guess fluster storm usually does too but it does counter veil of summer which is nice um but yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of competition for that card i suppose if legacy, I, could... I guess not, none of us are really super legacy experts but maybe, maybe that's a format where it has the highest impact just because there's so many good one-man cards and there's decks that you know re there's a bunch of decks that revolve around you know reanimate or yeah um, i th i, th I think the fact that the, the fact that we we can't come to a consensus on where this card will be best probably speaks something to its power level and the fact that you know makes sense in, this, in the face of what we've seen online as well as kind of you know raging debate on either ends of the spectrum essentially about you know how good this card is or how unplayable it is yeah definitely a powerful card and definitely you know definitely i think i still think it's worthy of number two on my list what did you have right, well, yeah well that was my number one so uh, um that's edict number two and, and misstep number one was Atrox F3, Tivar 4, Fastland 5. But yeah, maybe the Fastland just deserve number one spot. What about you, Harry? Did you have like a crown jewel of, of the clickbaits? I only have one card left. Even though I have a master degree, I can't count a top five. Um, it's Venerated Rot Priest. I think that specifically there are two things that are good with clickbait. One is Commander, and two is Nostalgia. And being able to say... Infect revived in magic. <laughs> Just have this card in the thumbnail. Probably good enough to get clicks. So I like the idea. It's one mana one two with toxic one. Whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a spell, a target opponent gets a poison counter. Now there's an interesting wording here. It says whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a spell. I don't know the exact name of the card. I think it's called like ground something. It's called ground it's rift, Harry. Ground Rift. It's one red storm. Target creature can't block this turn. Can you see where I'm going with this? Yes. You have a storm card, you target it as many times as possible. Boom, 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 boom. Infect your opponent. And I don't even think that's that bad of a card too because people are making blockers in modern right now. If you don't have the venerated rock priest, I guess you're making them not able to block. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's not bad clickbait. Is it a good card? Who knows? Better than Shaper Sanctuary. That's all I've got to add. It's definitely better than Shape of Sanctuary. I think we, talk, we spoke about it the last fortnight. But yeah, yeah, I had this card on my honorable mentions list. I think it's good. I think it's, if there's going to be a reason for people to play Infect again, it's going to be this card coming out. Yeah. The combo applications we didn't go through last week, but um, that's that's kind of like the main one I can think of is, you know, comboing it with Ground Rift and just, you know, you don't need that high of a storm count to make it worth it. I mean, even just pumping your creatures. You pump a creature, they get a poison yeah. counter. You pump your creature, they get a poison counter. It's like, it, it doesn't even have to be groundswell. It can just be pump spells. Well, it could just be a mixture of all of them. You might just be like, you know, Rot Priest, Mutagenic Growth, cast a pump spell on it, Ground Rift. Mm -hmm. And then that's like, yeah. 
you know, that's one, two, three, four, five, six poison counters. And then if you attack with the rock priest, it's seven poison counters, I suppose. But if you've gotten any, any poison in before that, like, you know, you're getting, you're getting somewhere. Yeah. It could be the sort of thing that you just, you know, maybe it finds its way into, it finds its way into your kind of like regular ish infect deck at some point in some of the small numbers. Cause you can have these turns where you, where you clear some blockers out give them some poison counters and get in for the rest or something like that. I don't, I don't know. It's got a lot of text on it and it's a pretty powerful card. Yeah. Cool loops are like Rancor as well. They've got loads of blockers, animate Ink Moth, put Rancor on, it falls off, you bounce it next turn. Can keep doing that to chip infect, stuff like that. Just loads of, loads of little stuff. Loads of little stuff. What about your number one? I already did all the numbers. We've already done our number ones. Oh, we're done. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Okay. So that was our dish, our shambolic top five. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no. Set hits uh, next week. There's uh, arena arena pre-release. Maybe even tomorrow. I have an invite. I need. I think. It's really. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm gonna play some arena. Maybe tomorrow. We'll see. But yeah, I think it comes out on next Tuesday on Magic Online. Fantastic. And so... you're after the PT the week that weekend, right? Yeah, I'll leave Saturday of that week, Saturday in 10 days. And so I'll have like three days at home playing uh, with the new cards on Magic Online. And then a week on a week, a week before the Pro Tour as well. Yeah. Right. But yeah, speaking of, I've been playing a little Pioneer, a little modern too. I want to talk real quick about what I've been playing. I've been playing a bit of. Blue red creativity and blue white control in in uh, in Pioneer. I've been kind of impressed by the blue red creativity deck. I've played I think two leagues and a prelim and been doing well. Um, you're was, playing the combo version, right? So you're playing yeah combo uh, version. Xenagos, the, the worm and Xenagos, yeah. I, uh, I I had that deck on my radar and then Sodek did well and posted a list. So I was like, okay, I'll give his list a try. And I've barely changed a card. It, the numbers feel feel pretty good. Um, who knows? Maybe I'll try uh, a track sign it because you can even just cast it up the treasures. It's you have the blue, so you need free treasures to to cast it, which is not not that hard. Um, I'm not sure in which matchup specifically you would want to to morph into an Atraxa, or even if you have like that many great hits because you don't have planeswalkers, you don't have artifacts. There's yeah. there's a bunch of types you don't have, but. Um, so yeah, and uh, the, I guess the story of Pioneer right now for me is Lotus Field, how popular it is, how seemingly dominant it is. The last prelim I played, I think I think Lord Beerus ended up 4-0-ing was Monorite, but I think one of the other 4-0s was Lotus Field and three, three of the players who were 3-0 before the last round were, two of them were Lotus Field. So yeah, that, that deck seems kind of... I, I don't know if it's the deck to beat, but it, it seems pretty popular. And um... yeah, it's definitely sh- spiked pretty sharply in popularity since the RC. So the the regional championships that were, that were happening a couple of months ago, it's pretty pretty understated up until that point in time. But maybe it's just more eyes on it, more people kind of say this is going to this is actually the right thing to be doing, and you know it, that also. So getting more eyeballs on it, more people playing it, also coinciding with more people trying decks that are really 
bad, uh, really good matchups for it. So like you know, Arclight Phoenix just basically can't can't win game one and you know really really has to go out of its way post board to be able to beat it. So you know, yeah. Phoenix was on the upswing and then you know, Lotus Field kind of came in right behind and got got into that. But it, it's a very resilient deck. I mean, if you think about the the kind of trajectory of Pioneer, Lotus Field was a, a deck that was good in the kind of broken era of Pioneer, like Inverter era. It's in fact the only combo deck from that era that survived all the bans. They banned Underworld Breach, but they left Lotus, the Lotus Field engine in play. <laughs> and so it's been hiding in plain sight. And yeah, yeah, it's just really hard to interact with. Like you, I should, I feel like I had these, I had this, these, these kind of uh, revelations when I was playing Inverter a lot that you have all these traditional ways of interacting with it, with your combo deck that don't really work very well against Lotus Field because their mana advantage is just so massive that you can't rely on cards like Mystical Dispute or any soft counter spells. You have to have absolute, you have to have negates or, and that's it. You can't really afford to have anything else against them. Sensors don't counter anything. And so it's pretty hard to kind of get yourself into that position that you might feel like you, you could naturally get into with a kind of blue um, control slash, you know, maybe you know, com- combo in the, in the sense of inverter or, uh, you know, tempo in the sense of Phoenix or whatever, you, know, you might feel like you can get yourself into a spot where you should have a good matchup against this combo deck, but it's just so hard to fill your deck with so then enough hard counters to, to, to make it to make it so. Uh, so, you know, the big manner advantage from Lotus Field is just so hard to interact with. Blue-White kind of gets there every now and then, like Dobbin's Veto is obviously really good in the matchup, and, you know, that deck also plays like Absorbed or saw, saw It Coming. So you, you can have a critical mass of hard counters in that matchup from Blue-White. But at the same time, you're just so slow to get going with Blue-White that they can just have these really nutty draws that just steamroll you with, you know, they might uh, they might tap your tap one of your lands and untap one of their lands and suddenly you can't, you know, you can't actually cast your counter spell anymore. Yeah. Just it's- powerful deck. Really powerful, powerful deck. Uh, yeah, the games, it's kind of hard to get a, a good idea sometimes because the games are super high variance. I feel like Lotus Field playing against Lotus Field playing against Monogreen. Um, these matches can sometimes you, you beat them two or three times in a row and you're like, yeah, that feels pretty good. And then sometimes the other way around and mm. the, the games can, can really like be so swingy, just one draw step, one card. Um, it's also tough to play against. I feel like the last three or four times or two or three times I've played against the deck I, I, I could have won you know some or most of the games I've I've played against Lotus so I think it's probably not an easy deck to play and not an easy deck to play against as well um, so, so I guess I guess we'll see but yeah, yeah. There, there are a couple was... of, there are a couple of big pickups as well that it's had in recent sets that really kind of solidified its spe- its place in the top of the metagame as well like yeah, the Sage obviously uh, yeah, Otawara, I was going to say, in Besaju. Besaju, Otawara, and also Leah, which... Uh, yeah, yeah main, main win, one of their main win conditions. Yeah, ha- having, ways to, having ways to just not be vulnerable to negate as well is like really powerful, right? So having like a kind of haymaker card that isn't negatable means you have to have this diversification of interaction and suddenly it's all really hard. Yeah, like so random that the creativity deck just struggles so much against Otawara. They can just bounce your your worm or yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I even lost a game where I like brought in the Hall Hall Hallbreaker Horror 
uh, as my sideboard plan and I, I cast it and they bounced it one time and that was enough to buy them the, the time to go off. Um, so yeah, auto war has been thorn in my side, uh, but uh, yeah. Blue, blue white, you definitely need to have like critical mass and you, you do have wandering emperor and shark to kill them fairly fast. And then sometimes you, you draw your one hall, you know, one of your halls and that's the, the also the last, you know, seven damage that, that can close the door real fast, but you know, so yeah, that was about Pioneer. I also played some cool decks in modern. I want to mention Bant Arcades, which is kind of a soul herder deck. No companies, but eight walls, four four ice fangs, four ephemerate, soul herder, Teferi Arcades, Solitude, and wait, can you just clarify which Arcades? Arcades Sabbath or Arcades Set the Strategist? The, the four mana Bant three five that it's flying vigilance and uh, it lets your walls attack and obviously deal damage for their toughness and also uh you uh, draw an extra card you draw a card when a defender comes into play so draw two when you play a wall or when you blink a wall it's been surprisingly good it's lined up pretty well against the, the breach deck people play i have a bunch of rest in peace and endurance in my sideboard um and and solitude lets you kind of you know come back into in, in the game it lines up decently against rhinos it is pretty bad against you know ren and six decks in general because you're kind of slow to get going and you know ren and six to fair is good against ephemerate so something like omnath would be a really tough matchup i think creativity is pretty tough anything that plays ren and six seems pretty tough um tron seems really tough too even though i have the <laughs> yeah. one vidalcan plot Dude, on my sideboard i saw that in the sideboard i was which is a blue and two one one when it comes into play you exchange a land as if you would ever have to read that card out as if people haven't exchanged bounce lands in limited all the time so yeah the, the goal is to steal tron lands steal bounce lands you can also do a cool stuff there's no like trick you can do with fetch land you can like target your fetch land and then sack it or response because the way exchanges works in magic is the exchange needs to actually happen for you to get theirs but yeah. i was thinking you could actually i don't know and maybe that's what people were trying to tell me and i, I misunderstood but again something like Monogreen Tron, you can just give them your flooded strand and they have a fetch land that they can't fetch anything with. So if yeah. you give them, you know, in some matchups, if you give them flooded strand against, you know, Titan, have, maybe they play one breeding pool. I'm not sure, but you, you get the point. I have so many, so many memories of like late night drafts of original Ravnica casting Vidalcan Plotter and stealing my opponent's bounce land. But that would uh, yeah, be like, true. that would be like turn two bounce land. I'd be like, all right, turn three Vidalcan Plotter, have a basic. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> So yeah, that deck's been surprisingly good. I've I've had like free ones and and challenges, four ones or free ones and three and four ones in yeah. in leagues, free one and prelims. Challenges didn't go super well for me, but um, yeah, I played I, I played the 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 canister vintage deck was bizarre, like kind of the value bizarre, but I went kind of middle of the road. There's the the one where you can play Blood Gas Hogak. I was playing Force Quee, and then you've got the the deck that actually won the Vintage Super Qualifier. That's the um, the super value version was Force Quee and for Master of Death. I think the blue black one, kind of a Squee, uh, except it costs you one life. But the upside is you can pitch it to uh, Force of Will, Force of Negation. Maybe mm. I'm not sure they play Grief, but I been I had a lot of fun with that deck. I, I only went three and five, but uh, I kept playing because the prizes went down so so low. Uh, I actually got prizes for my friend if I finish and I felt like a lot of games <laughs> nice. I was just throwing but I was really enjoying myself playing vintage 
and I'm, I'm trying to learn and um, you know these tournaments give mox points mox leaderboard points that's why I've been trying a bit harder playing these tournaments playing more formats and uh, last deck I want to talk about was Tameshi Bloom in Modern I've been playing a banned version I'm not sure it's better than version I used to play Renan 6 you know four color for Renan 6 maybe a Nomnaf target for your cult but that deck's pretty solid it also has like some pretty terrible matchups Karin the Great Creator anything that plays Karin the Great Creator is a nightmare um, especially since you don't even have the force color in this list to to end their Karn. But it's decent against the blue-red decks. It's decent against a lot of stuff. Um, it's pretty pretty solid deck, pretty fun deck to play too. Um, so yeah, that's the, the rundown of my constructed week. I don't know if either of you guys have been playing a, a little modern, little pioneer. I played one challenge with the mono red shrapnel plas deck and it was terrible. I played a league and went 4-1, so I instantly told Cherry that we had to play it in the challenge. I went 2-5 and five and he went 3-4. and four. He won the challenge. And then though, we right? instantly said that we're never playing the deck again. He did win the challenge though, right? Yeah, I think the deck is terrible. I have no... Mm. Like, I, I can believe that people can run hot with the deck because it has so many explosive draws, but I think that... On, I just, I hate the deck, and I think that's why people are putting Ren and Six and Tarmogoyf in the deck or whatever to try and save it, but I think it's just a flash in the pan, and the whole core of the deck is bad. I think Experimental Synthesizer, it's not as good as it could be in the deck. You're never paying three mana to make a 2-2, two -two, and I think that's one of the best things about the card. And, um, yeah, just not a big fan of the deck. Hmm. Did it win again, or was it like two it, weeks ago? It's won twice. Caleb Share. Split the finals against Doom Switch. It, it's won twice now, I think. Okay. I believe it's won twice. Because I, I played against it uh, before the weekend. And then I played against it after the weekend. And it won over the weekend. So I th I'm pretty sure it's won two weeks in a row. There's also a little tuning to be done. There's I been agree. a bunch of so different I, versions. I actually played against Mengu, uh, who was streaming and playing it. And I was playing Merktide. And I was defeated by Shinka, the Bloodsoaked Keep, which... What does that card do? It's a, it's the land from Champions of Kamigawa that gives Legends first strike. His, like, it meant he could give his Jigath the first strike, and I had to I was just forced to block each time, and he just ripped two burn spells in a row to kill my two Merktides. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that, that, that's, that's... It's funny, because Merktide is one of the worst matchups for the deck, in my opinion. <clears throat> yeah, I got, I got too owed by him. I made a mistake in game one where I didn't make my Merktide big enough and got Shrapnel Blasted, because I didn't even think about Shrapnel Blast. And, um, yeah, then in game two, I just... Yeah, he, he just had Shinka, and Shinka was the difference. <laughs> but, um... I, I, I was pretty impressed with the deck overall, I think. It has a, bit, a fair bit of staying power. I definitely got to these spots... You know, you know you, know you get to these spots with Merktide sometimes where you're like... Okay, board's roughly a parody, and I have three cards. No, they have one card. Okay, sweet. All right, I'll yeah. play a one-three flyer. Every time I would do that against him, I'll be like, "Shit, I have three cards, but he has four cards and a saga that's about to go off." It, it, yeah, I, I'm. I think the deck's got. Yeah, I, as like I've said, I think there's a little bit of tuning to be done on it, but I think it's got. It's it's got some legs and it's got some staying power, and I. I'm not willing to say I think it's bad. I, I think it's better than whatever record Harry and Cherry had together uh, would would lead you to believe. Uh, another deck that I, I played against in my in my couple of leagues I played this week that I was impressed with was Four Color Omnath. 
I mean, obviously it's not a new deck or whatever, but kind of took a big downswing when uh, when Yorion got banned. And obviously it's a terrible matchup for for Murktide, and maybe that's why I think it's a um, think it's better than it is. But it seems to me that if Murktide's a super popular deck, and then it, it can probably find its way back into the format. Is that deck good against Murktide? Omnath, yeah, yeah. Really, without Ice Fang? Hmm. I mean, my opponent had Ice Fang. Oh, okay. I think Solitude is just so. Good. Yeah, it was just the Solitude that really, that really kind of gets it, and they're just like good at drawing cards. Like it's like a rend. It's like rend to fairy. Uh, you know, various yeah. different free spells against you. It could just it. It was one of these things where I just got to this point. I was like, okay, well, if they have three cards and I have none, <laughs> just what can I do? I don't know. I tried a bit of Omnath a few weeks ago and it, or months ago. And it didn't feel... No, maybe the two matches I played It were, felt like so mediocre, but yeah, I, I do agree that if you have if you have Ice Fang... I remember talking about that thing that you're not going to be Murktide if you're not playing Ice Fang in that deck, but Ice Fang's not, not the greatest in, in some other matchups, so... Mm. Well, it was um, it was good against me when I played against it the second time in two two leagues. I was like, "Come on, <laughs> I yeah. thought I thought you were dead." <laughs> yeah, I know some couple of players. I think been doing well with. I think there's a streamer called Respect the Cat who who plays on that a lot, and I think they do well. So yeah, maybe, and... maybe there's more to it, but it felt a little underpowered and stuff, and mm. yeah, not very exciting to me when I tried it. No, that's been my exploration for the for the last fortnight. Though a couple. You found some spots to play a couple of leagues. Cool, cool. All right, should we wrap it up? I reckon we should. Sure. Life on the line. Theoretical, theoretical tournament tomorrow. Win the event, you live. Lose, you die. What deck you guys bring in? Should we do with the new cards? Oh God, that's too, oh, that's playing, too many I'm variables. Playing, I'm playing blue, black, and pioneer. Hell yeah, edict. <laughs> and in, in modern, I'm I'm probably strategizing with Arcades. Jesus, dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hoping, hoping to run into a lot of blue-red decks and not too much like... Just hoping stuff. hoping my opponents are only playing Wild Nicole. <laughs> In Pioneer, I'm going to play either Mono Red Aggro, Mono Red something with Fervent Champion, the new sword. Modern. I'm going to play... I'm going to go down proliferating. I'm going to build myself a Super Friends proliferate deck with the Icar Moon. Right. Rip, rip Harry. Uh, recipe of both of you, Dying seriously. for clickbait. I died with this commander deck in modern. <laughs> get, get out of here, Arcadia Sabbath guy. You probably have better luck with Arcadia Sabbath. Yeah. That's great. What about you, Pat? Um, all right. In Pioneer, I'm just going to play Lotus Field. Cause I, I think... I, I think it's probably the best deck, and it's probably something I should learn as well. Uh, in modern, I'm just going to play Murktide because I still think it's great. And until people turn up en masse with Omnath, uh, I'm happy with my spot. Also, no new cards. That's my rule. No new cards. Oh, damn. Okay. Now we can do a price prediction. Yeah. On card market, and we can do pre-orders. I was okay. going to say, can we guess can the price of Arcadia's a strategist? What about the new Jace? Oh, a million dollars. Is, is the that's a, I think that's a good one. Is it a mythic? It is. Yes. It's okay, one. yeah, let's do Jace if, if it's a mythic. Okay. Mythic Cardmarket.com. Jesus. Hmm. I have a price. I've got one too. Three, two, one. 12 euros. 15. 
Are we both guessed 15, Harry? What did you say, Pat? 12. Okay, what's the actual name of it? Jace, Jace. the Perfected Mind. Are we going to split the price, Harry, or just <laughs> get us? The average 30-day price trend of Jace, the Perfected Mind, is 7 euros and 72 yes. euro cents, yeah. with the daily average price at 6 euros. This thing is plummeting. I see people know. The People highest sale of the card is twelve euros and sixty-nine euro cents. Fantastic! Look at me, look at me go. You're the only one who believes in the. I'm card the believer. You're the one who like underbids. Yeah, like. it's all part of a long-term plan. Yeah. <laughs> it literally plummeted at the end of January <laughs> after so after our it, first podcast episode. Original, <laughs> you could a, skateboard on this on this chart, is what I'm saying. What was it? His high point. What was it? The high point of the card. H- highest is almost 13 euros. Almost. On <laughs> January if, the 27th, it was at 11. Was like, we would have lost I, like, I like to think that after the last episode of the cast, people heard that our reviews of Jace for the perfected mind and my attempted defense <laughs> yeah, of it and were like, sell. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, that marks the end of the episode. Gab, where can we find you on the internet? Twitch.tv slash yellowhat and hopefully... Uh, twitch.tv slash magic winning the pro tour in a couple of weeks Fuck yeah you can find me clickbaiting on youtube yes harry mtg if you want to see some jank well actually i uploaded a 5-0 league today in vintage i just played workshop and just crushed so hard there was this really sick turn where my opponent got three hollow ones turn one and i just played a tabernacle and wiped the board <laughs> Jesus. um what a format yeah, what, what about you pat <laughs> you can I'm, you can find me in Hamburg for the next eight days. I won't say anything more than that. Doing some science. Doing some science stuff. I'm at the free, free electron laser facility doing some experiments. It's going to be fun. Awesome. Okay. So if you're in Hamburg, come to Desi and say what's up. <laughs> I don't think you'll have security clearance, but it's okay. Nice. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, thank you so much for making it this far in. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace. Yeah, have a great week, everyone. Take care.